This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm Scott Greenberg, also known as The Vine Guy. In this podcast, we'll delve into the world of wine with winemakers, wine producers, wine professionals, and wine lovers. We'll even sample a few wines and share which ones we think are worth your while. Now, a little bit about me. I'm just a, an enthusiastic wine consumer who's been lucky enough to write a syndicated wine column for several years, participate as a wine judge, and for the last 10 years, host the weekly Wine of the Week segment on WTOP News in Washington, D.C. In this week's episode, I talk with Jim Schlexer. He's a sommelier who's working on a book about his experiences in the role. He's also a CEO and a good friend I've known for many years. We chat about what to know when you're ordering a wine at a restaurant, if corkage fees are worth it, and what it takes to be a sommelier. So, enjoy this conversation with Jim Schlexer. Now, Jim's a fellow wine nut, and uh, we met, we actually met as friends over uh, over 15 years ago. Through I'm going to go with through our 18. Two, through our two two boys, yep, who were in elementary school at the at the time, uh, and even though we met through them, I would say that wine is the tie that binds. Uh, it certainly banded us together over the uh, the last eighteen years. Yep. Now our wives, who have also become really good friends, which could be <laughs> <laughs> might not be to our advantage, but they once described our relationship as two ten year old boys standing in the lunch line repeating, "I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you." Exactly. <laughs> which, Sounds about right. Which pretty much does sum it up. Just add wine, That's and you right. got the picture. <laughs> so, so Jim, you've had a really interesting journey into wine. Yeah. Now, just remind me again, what's your Day job? <laughs> yeah, because I do actually work for a living occasionally. Um, I run a management consulting company, and I work with CEOs of larger companies, generally $20 million and above. And we do advice around how they should grow their business, how they should change their behavior around being a CEO, and uh, how to either ultimately get to a sale, potentially, if that's what they want to do. But we're really all about growth of larger and more sophisticated companies all industries, and we work with about 100 CEOs around the country at this point. And you're a, a former CEO yourself. I think that's an important thing to note. I, I run a bunch of companies myself, and now I help people do it uh, for themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, the most interesting thing about you is how you were seduced to the dark side. Well, you are my wine daddy. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think there was this one Saturday where I got a phone call from Scott, and uh, he said, hey, I'm going to... Snyder's, a local liquor store, and said, how'd you like to go, little boy? And, you know, like a crazy kid, I jumped in the van because he had candy, and the rest is history. So, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And, boy, and I uh, came home with thousands of dollars of receipts in my pockets and wondering what happened. <laughs> and, and said, where am I going to put all of this wine? <laughs> exactly. And then you built a wine yeah, Of course. <laughs> like all good people. Drink some, keep some. Yep. But you've really gone. I mean, so it's, it's one thing to say that you're you're a wine consumer. And you are. You're, a, you're, you're fun to drink with. We have a lot of great fun when we open bottles of wine. But you've really taken it to another level. And I was really blown away the day you told me that you wanted to become a certified sommelier. You know, what, what did you have to go through yeah. to, to do that? Like all of my hobbies, uh, why go in a little bit when you can go all the way, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, you know, it really struck me as I dealt with my clients who have a lot of money, and we entertain around dinner, and, and obviously wine comes up with CEOs. But a lot of them don't know what they're doing. And uh, unfortunately, I probably fell in the same category. Even though I was an aficionado, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, I frankly admired the level of knowledge you had. I said, you know, how do I, yeah, I know, 
I, don't, aren't I supposed to buddy you up at some point? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I said, look, I, I, I want to get smarter about this. How do I do this? And the, I found the, uh, the sommelier certification, which is from the Guild of Master Sommeliers. Uh, took the introductory course fairly cold, uh, passed it, probably by the hair on my chinny-chin-chin, and uh, then endeavored to get become a certified sommelier, which took me a little over two years to go from introductory to certified, even though I knew a decent amount of wine, you know, sort of day one. Um, I can tell you about how the test goes, because that's really the, the, the end of it, if you want to hear. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, so there are three parts to the test, and, and this goes uh, from certified to advanced to master. Now, realize at the master level, there's only about 245 in yeah, the world. Not, not many. No, uh, not there's many. more astronauts than there are master, certi- master sommeliers. I mean, it's crazy hard. So I'm never going to do that. I know it. But the elements are the same. So one is a blind tasting, uh, two whites, two reds. You taste them blind, and you name a grape, uh, country, region, age, quality level, blind. Um, so that's takes some practice. So yeah, there's only one way to learn is drink a lot of wine. Taste, right? taste, taste. <laughs> Once in a while we swallow. Um, and then there's a, a theory test, 50 questions, pretty hard. Um, and then there is a service test where you actually serve a master sommelier like you would in fine dining. And they ask all kinds of questions from cocktails to sake to beer to spirits to after dinner drinks and of course wine pairing the entire menu, and then you open champagne properly, which is, uh, you know, you've seen me practice. I've seen you do it. You, you are the master of, of the champagne opening. Yeah, you, you benefited. Every time we had champagne, you, said, you hand it to me and go, here, open this. Dude, if there's a cork that's popping, chances are I'm nearby. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so listen, I, Jim, I thought Psalms worked mostly in restaurants. Um, you're not planning on starting a new career, so why'd you do this? Yeah, well, if this... Uh, management consulting thing doesn't work out. I've got a fallback, so I'm good. I could go pop corks at a restaurant. Yeah, actually, most of them do. That's sort of the traditional path for sommeliers is to work in a restaurant. And in fact, to go to advanced and master, if you're not working in the industry, probably as a distributor or in a restaurant, you're not going there. Educators, which is really where I sit, I do write a column, a blog on it. I publish on Inc.com some of my wine publications and I'm working on a book at this point, but that's generally not where sommeliers go. They go into the restaurant to run a wine program. So if you go to a Michelin star, two or three star restaurant or a large uh, formal dining chain, you'll find a sommelier advanced or master somewhere in the middle of all that. Cool. So walk me through how you plan on blending these two careers, being a CEO coach and now a certified sommelier. I I think it's pretty cool. I can't wait to hear where these two intersect. (laughs) Well, the first one is whenever I go to dinner, I get handed the wine list. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's because I'm supposed to pay or not, but, um, but I do go <laughs> here. You can pay. I mean, pick the wine. Um, so that's always fun because now I really do know my way around the wine list. I can give a nice experience to my clients. So that's awesome. You know, I'm not sure how they intersect. Ultimately, I wasn't really thinking like that. It wasn't uh, mercenary. Um, so I'll continue to write. I'll build a book on that. That may turn into speaking. That may turn into seminars. I think there's a lot of organizations that would like to understand how should we entertain around wine. A book. A book? A book. So what, what is the, what, what's going to be in the book? What's the theme of the book? Is uh, it going to be, you know, how do I order wine or, you know, how to hand Jim Schlexer the wine list? <laughs> yeah. what's, what, what's, this is fascinating. What's yeah. the book? This is called Having Rich Friends with Wine Cellars. They should be the title. No, the title is Professional Drinking, How to Drink at Work. So double entendre. You drink you know, on the job. A drink on the job, exactly. <laughs> and, and the idea is how do we entertain around spirits and wine? So 
you know, how should you order a cocktail? I've given an example of this. Um, when you go out with a client uh, for lunch and you want to have a beer or a cocktail, how do you do that? I don't know because I usually drink at dinner. <laughs> well, me too. But some people drink it, and they. Right. And yeah, the answer, there used to be the three martini lunch. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and then back the, in the day, then the three o'clock nap, and then. <laughs> and the answer is, you got to wait for them to go first. And if they order, you can order. And I don't care how thirsty you are. If they don't order, you shouldn't order. It's sort of an etiquette thing that got you it. might or might not understand if you hadn't been through it, right? Right. Um, so tips like that. Another one might be when they put the glass in front of you and you give a little pour, what are we actually smelling for? Fun. <laughs> it's wine. It's Drink wine. up, right? That's right. Well, and the answer is wet dog, right? We're really only looking for one fault, which is... Uh, you're looking to see if the wine's corked. Corked. It's uh, the only okay. thing you're really looking for. Right. You're not looking for, is it appropriate or is it a 99 or is it, is it good or bad? Simple, very digital. Wet dog, no good. No wet dog, drink up. That's really simple. But that that's something that a, a novice doesn't understand. You know, that's, that's a good point because I can't tell you how many times I'm sure this has happened that people have had a corked wine. Yep. And, and by the way, we're going to circle back around. I want you to talk a little bit about what a corked wine is. Yeah, so sure. heads up. But people have had a corked wine, wet dog, you know, grandma's basement, that mm -hmm, whole thing, mm -hmm. right? Wet cardboard. And they don't know what corked is. They don't yeah. they don't understand cork taint. So they'll just sit there and, and drink the wine saying, well, that was terrible. Yeah. You know, and, and they don't really have a, a way of a level of knowledge to send it back or, or try a different bottle. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, what, I, I forget what the statistic is. It's, it's one out of 20 bottles is corked or something like that. Uh, of course, not if it's got a screw cap. But Yeah, you know, right. But, that's right. It's right. got to have a cork in it. It's got to have a cork to be corked. Right? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. the, you know, corkiness. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So being corked is an interaction between a mold that's in the cork and some cleaning chemicals they use. It's TCA. And it smells like wet dog, grandma's basement, wet cardboard, have your pick. It can be very subtle, and I guarantee you and I have both drunk corked wines not knowing that they're... <laughs> Usually later in the yeah, evening. Yeah, <laughs> the, the 12th bottle, yeah. Um, but people are timid about sending it back. Here's the dirty little secret about sending a bottle back at a restaurant. Nobody gets hurt. And people are timid about it because they think, oh, the right. restaurant's going right. to take the hit, and right. they're not. Because if it's not, first of all, the sommelier should immediately take it back whether he or she thinks it's corked or not. If you're in a bad restaurant, they'll fight you on it. So that's a little pro tip. Yeah, I've had those fights. Right? And it's not a good restaurant. Right. Great restaurant. They go, I'm so sorry, sir. It's court. They didn't make the wine. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not their fault. Right. They'll take it back. They'll taste it. If it's not corked, they'll sell it by the glass. And they'll make more money on that bottle of wine than what you would have paid by the bottle. I did not know that. If it is corked, they send it back to the producer and they get full credit. That I did know. So nobody gets hurt. You're right. So if you think your bottle is corked, Send it back. Don't be timid about it. There's no reason to be. Yeah, but if your fifth bottle is well, corked. Yeah, yeah, you might be corked. Be you. <laughs> I'm sure the bottle is not corked, but you clearly are. <laughs> so what's another really helpful tip? I'm, I'm now out to dinner with some, some clients. I don't know, you know, I don't want to necessarily spend a fortune, but I kind of want to impress them. I'm handed this list. Yeah. And the psalm comes over. You have an interesting little trick up your sleeve. Yeah, yeah and I've seen... Strong men and women quake when they're handed that wine list. You know, the, the encyclopedic list. They've got no idea what to do. And it's embarrassing. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of your clients. So money is always one of the key things because I don't know what wine to pick, but I do know how much I want to spend. We almost always know I'd like to spend 100 or 150 or 200, whatever my number happens to be. So here's the pro trick on the, uh, the wine list. You bring the psalm over 
and you glide your finger down the list. You're not pointing at the wines. You're pointing at the prices. Now, nobody at the table can see that, right? But you stop at the price that you'd like to spend on a wine. Let's say it's $125 a bottle. And you go, I'd like to have something about like this. Now everybody thinks you're pointing to a wine. You're not. You're telling the psalm, I want to spend $125. Every good psalm on the planet goes, I understand, sir. And they'll then find you an appropriate wine around $125. Right. And, and probably appropriate around what your guests have already ordered or are ordering. Well, that'll always be their next question. What is everybody having for dinner? You know, I'm having duck. I'm having, you know, bronzino. I'm having this. And they'll find a wine that'll match everybody's meal appropriately. So that's really what Psalms are great at. But you combine that knowledge with the price and they can always pick something on their list. that will do the trick for you. One of the coolest things, a, a trick of a dear friend of ours, mm-hmm. another Jim that you and I know yeah. very well. Probably, your wine my, daddy. My yeah. wine daddy. <laughs> so I guess he's your wine granddaddy. Mm-hmm. I should <laughs> tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we see him. Yeah. Next time we raid his cellar. Exactly. So we were at a restaurant one time, a very uh, well-known Italian restaurant here in Washington, D.C. And uh, he called over the uh, wine director and said, hey, did you curate this wine list? Mm. And, and he said, well, yes, I did. Uh, of course, I curated this <laughs> wine list. Because all the sommeliers yes. have different no, accents. Yeah, do. Yes, <laughs> oui, oui. So, this was an Italian restaurant, but uh, <laughs> why I'm speaking French, I did not know. <laughs> so he uh, called the guy over and said, so we're each having the veal chop. Mm. What is the best bottle of wine under $125 on your list that is going to go with our veal oh, chop? Nice. And I said, I got you covered. I'll be right back. That's a great question. Now, you can only do that in front of friends. Right, yeah. But so that's if a he was great with, question. Well, knowing this guy, he would do it in front well, of anyone. He might, yeah. <laughs> no, but he he did it. And and I have to tell you, this Psalm's face lit up. He literally went skipping mm-hmm. back to the cellar because he was so happy that he could literally, you know, do, you know, find the wine that was going to fit it. And let me, it was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Perfect. Yep. Uh, matter of fact, I, I can still remember it. Uh, it was a, a 2011 Barolo. Mm. Just hit every note. It was just a lovely wine. It was the last one in his cellar. It was probably over our price budget, but he, he wanted to you know clear it out, and he did us a little bit of a favor. And sometimes that happens, right? Well, sometimes I gotta say, can, making friends with the song yeah, is always a good a move. Idea, right? Always a good move, and they live for the perfect pairing. They they talk about perfect pairings when they get together in their secret psalm clubs. And so right, they do. Oh, shoot. I wasn't supposed to talk about that. But, <laughs> we'll edit it out. Yeah, yeah, take that out. No, but so if you give them a chance to show what their stuff and give you the perfect pairing, the perfect wine, that thrills them to no end. And really, they are service oriented people. So if they can make you happy. That's their love language. Wine and making people happy is their love language. They love to make you happy. So I, that was a great play on his part. And he really spoke to the psalm in a way that makes a difference. And I'm not surprised they probably knocked the price down a little bit. Yeah, they did. And and so speaking of making friends with the psalm, yeah. one of the other things is when you do bring your own wine. That's another pro tip, yeah. To um, a restaurant, right? Yeah, so if you bring your own wine to a restaurant, um, and we can go through how you do that, but the, the pro tip here is if you bring a really special bottle of wine, and I wouldn't recommend bringing a bottle to the restaurant unless it's a great bottle of wine. Don't bring two buck chuck. It's just not worth it. You're going to pay corkage and so forth. But you bring the psalm over, and they're going to take care of your wine and pour it and so forth. But you ask them if they've ever tasted it. And if it's a special bottle of wine, you've got a 2000 Petrus, a fabulous bottle of wine, something they may have never tasted. These are wine geeks. Don't forget. They're going to and say, why don't you have a little taste for yourself? Now, normally, corkage is 25 to $75, depending right. on the place. Right. 
more times than not, and I know you've had the same experience, you give the psalm a taste of a fabulous wine like that, right. the corkage magically disappears from the bill. It's amazing. So right. always worth doing. But when that happens, ladies and gentlemen, listen up. Yeah. If your corkage is ever waived, please take that into consideration when you tip. Yes. You need to tip probably about what the corkage might right. have been. Right. So you're probably not going to really save any money in the long run, but that's okay. It's yeah. the right move. But it is the right move. Absolutely and, and I think right. that's super important. Um, so I have one quick question. I want you to do a little, little bit of a commercial for yourself. So yeah. Jim, where can people find your writing and what is your, uh, your Twitter handle? How can we find you? Yep. So you can find my writing about wine at professionaldrinking.com. I've also got a YouTube channel where there's some videos about wine. One of them, for example, about how to bring a bottle of wine to a restaurant. Uh, you can also look at my Twitter information at, uh, ProDrinking.com. Very cool. Oh, I'm going to back up for just a second. I do want to say one thing about taking your wine to a restaurant. Yeah. Um, see if you can always check the wine list online first. Never, ever, ever, ever take a bottle of wine that's already on their list. Or if you do, don't open it. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's just, that's tip one that's is check the wine list right. ahead of time. I actually call too. That's a good idea. Because sometimes the wine list isn't up to date. Right. And then you can hear if they have a, a regulation around wine. So sometimes they'll say, look, if you've got a table of four, you can bring up to two bottles. Right. And then you have to buy one off the list. And that's fair enough, right? I mean, you yeah. don't want to be a jerk about it. So I think checking the wine list online, I always do that. And then I'll call just to check to be 100%. So when I show up, they don't go, they, I don't get the, what are you doing with bottles of wine here, right? And look like a knucklehead, right? right that's a pro move. There's a pro, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, last week for my birthday, I yeah. went to a restaurant and I had taken a very special bottle mm. of champagne. <laughs> of course, I, uh, you know, get the wine list and I immediately flip to the champagnes and I'll be damned if it wasn't Rut row. there. <laughs> <laughs> for five times what you paid for exactly. it. <laughs> so I politely put my bottle uh, back in the bag. The psalm was super cool. She said, no, 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 let's open your bottle. Don't worry about it. And I said, absolutely not. Yeah, good for you. Please bring me something similar, something that, you know, now that you know the kind of champagne I like, why don't we find something on your list mm -hmm. that uh, you think I would enjoy? And she was great. She was gentle on the price. Yep, yep. Uh, the wine was absolutely fantastic. It was a grower champagne I'd never had before. Wonderful. So I was very excited about that. Uh, and then best of all, the corkage magically Magically disappeared. disappeared yeah. I, I think throwing you, yourself into their hands is always good, a good move. You know, we want to look like we know what we're doing, but why would you try? They built the wine list. They know every single wine. They've tasted every single wine on that list. They're always going to find something fun for you to drink, and and that's what they're there for. So right. you, use the psalm. And I have to say, I've only had one bad experience, uh, and it's only because I was at a very fancy restaurant. I was I had ordered something different from the table, so I wanted a specific glass of wine mm -hmm. to go with that. And and uh, she was a, a new psalm at the restaurant. As a matter of fact, she was she was the assistant. Mm -hmm. I think I went on a night where the sun was out, and it was. Uh, she brought me a glass of orange wine. <laughs> so, uh. you, you know how I feel about orange wine, but you know, young psalms. You know, sometimes they really want to make a, a name for themselves, make a mark, and yeah. it it was um, it, it wasn't that the wine was particularly off putting. It was just the pairing didn't didn't work work for me, but. You know, that was literally out of the, the hundreds, if not thousands of times, I've put my hands in, uh, you know, my myself in Psalm's hands. It's, Works out. it's always worked out. It's I t worked will out. tell you the one question not to ask is, what do you like to drink? Oh, yeah. 
because Psalms yeah. palettes are very different to everybody else's because they've, they've had so many different wines. Right. And they like funky, offbeat, weird stuff like orange wine, which I don't care for. But a lot of Psalms, it's it's all that. They love orange yeah. wine. Yeah. And uh, so she went with her go-to, right? She did. And and you're right. I actually did say, what would you drink yep. with this? There you and, go. Yeah, no, so, that's not you the know question. What? It's on me. No, <laughs> I take that. Okay, so listen. So we try to end every episode with a uh, a wine tasting. Now, we affectionately call it a blind wine tasting only because you can't see what we're drinking. But today, my dear friend, Jim, who loves playing psalm, uh, psalm tricks or psalm games, he actually, we are pouring two wines that actually are blind. Neither one of us know what the other one brought. So I brought a wine, Jim brought a wine, and we're going to play stump the wine guys. And uh, so we have two two glasses in front of us. Uh, Jim, your wine is on the right. And my wine is, I believe, on the left. Correct. So who, I know I'm going to get one of them right. You're going to get one of them right. Where do you want to start? <laughs> your call, man. You're the host. Let's start with uh, let's start with your wine on the right. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Smells like wine. No, it's not completely. It's not completely uh, blind because I can tell you it's red. Awesome. <laughs> we got that. You got one in. point out of a hundred. Okay, so it's it's definitely has definitely has some oak on the nose there. Mm-hmm. You got a little bit of. Okay. Jim, how come you're not drinking this? I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dragon. It's the flagon with the dragon. <laughs> it's the pestle. The pestle with the. The vessel, the vessel with the pestle. The vessel with the pestle. That's the brew that is true. Exactly. There you go. For those of you of a certain oh. age, you're going to get that. It's a Danny Kay reference. Look it up. Okay, that sound you hear is me sucking wine in because that's how I like to taste wine. It's on the younger side. Now, by the way, um, and when you taste the second wine and you try to guess what it is, me- I'd like you to spend a little bit of time just going through... The, you know, how you taste wine and how you yep. were taught to taste wine in the Psalm Guild, because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a cool thing. No problem. So I'm getting just it's a lot of fruit. To me, this feels like a younger wine. It's got a, a pretty big grip in there. Lovely, lovely um, pop in the in the middle of the palate there. Uh, and, and it's got kind of a high alcohol finish. Um, kind of surprised it. Uh, uh, it's, uh, as Jim will tell me how far down it goes in my sternum. Where right. do you, how far down do you feel the burn? The button, this, the button this, test, the, the Andy the, Meyer yeah. button test. <laughs> Andy, Andy Meyer, we love Andy. So, yep. um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like it's got a little bit of heat in there. Uh, it's going to come, I think, from a warmer climate. And I'm going to guess California. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to guess what region. I'm not. I'm going to say not Sonoma. Mm-hmm. Could be um, could be Central Coast. Could be Napa. Could be Napa Floor. Mm-hmm. Going in again. You know, the, probably part of the hazard of doing this podcast is you can't, you can't stand up at the end. That's a fun wine. Um, I'm having a tough time with the varietal, i got to tell you, Jim. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of spice to it, so it's throwing me off. Mm-hmm. Normally I would have said it was a cab, but that little bit of spice in there is really kind of maybe leading me towards a zin. So I... You know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to call this. Um, I'm going to call this a Lodi Zen, just for grins and giggles. Maybe, maybe a little bit Syrah in there, but I'm going to I'm going to call it a Lodi Zen. You want to so, know now, or you want no, me to no, go we'll first? No, no, we'll do the grand reveal after okay. after. So Lodi now, Zen, you got an H on it. 
It's got an H on it. What year? Oh, it's younger. I'm going to say 15, 16. Okay, perfect. Okay. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to follow <laughs> uh, more or less the grid that we use as sommeliers. What do you talk about the grid? So we have a standard way that we taste wines, uh, eyes, nose, palate, and then we look for certain things at each of those levels, and they there's a tie between what we see and taste and the theory of what the wine could be. So I'm going to do that for you. Uh, abbreviate. I won't do every little piece of it, but okay. All sure. Right. So this is a red wine. It's uh, it's got a deep purple core uh, going to a purple meniscus uh, viscosity and is uh, medium plus. I'm gonna. This is now when I look at the viscosity, I mean the legs. You know, you swirl your glass and you see that dripping down. If it goes down really slowly, it means there's either high alcohol or high sugar. So this is probably high alcohol. I know when I taste it whether it's sugar or alcohol sure. driving the high viscosity. All right, on the nose. I get a dusty note, like a dusty rose. I get lots of uh, fruit on it. I get red fruit. I get blue fruit. So um, red and blue fruit will point you to what grape it might be. But the fruit came first, so it's got a lot of savory notes too, though. Mm. Um, I'll go with uh, – it's also got baking spice. It's got cloves on it. It's got vanilla on it. This When you smell vanilla on a wine – um, you know it's seen oak. So Camus is one wine that a lot of people like. It's got a lot of vanilla on it. It's seen a lot of oak. So if you smell vanilla in your wine, it means it's had oak on it. This w- wine has seen oak. And that does limit it because not all wines see right. oak, right? All right? It's actually expensive. And so only more expensive wines generally use oak on them. There are ways of doing it cheap, but nice oak wines generally. I know your cellar, so um, <laughs> it's probably a nicer wine. Okay, on the palate. It's a nicer wine, Jim, but I didn't go overboard for you. Wine is dry. Acid is high. Alcohol, medium. I'm going to say medium plus. So you're literally going through the grid right now Mm -hmm. as you're tasting the wine. Yeah. So um, first we look for the, the, on the nose, we look for fruits, non-fruits, minerals, oak. Then I move into the palate. It's clean, correct, no fault, meaning it's not a flawed wine. Then we go to the body calls, acid, um, alcohol, tannins. Um, it actually does not have a lot of tannins, May, uh, maybe a light uh, oak exposure. It's not grippy. You know how like when you taste a wine and it dries you out like you sucked on a tea bag? Yep. You don't get that experience with this one. So it's seen some tannin, some oak, but not a ton of oak. Uh, very juicy, very fruity, actually. I get almost a um, cassis or a, a kirsch. Um, I always think of it as like cough syrup on it. So very, almost an extracted kind of flavor on this wine. So I'm going to go really jammy, really fruity. That leads me to new world versus old world. It's high alcohol because it burned fairly far down. So it's grown in a warm climate. Yes. I also saw that in the legs. It had high alcohol. It had very modest oak exposure. So that means it's not going to be Napa Valley uh, because Napa is a classic. If it's got oak, if it's Napa, you're going to call it Napa. It's got oak. It's not a Cabernet Sauvignon because it would have a green note on it. uh, Jalapeno or green stems doesn't have any of that. So I'm going to say it's um, uh, possible varietals on this would be Shiraz uh, or also known as Syrah. Um, I don't think it's a Zinfandel. I don't think it's a Malbec. Uh, It's definitely not a Pinot yet. I'm going to go with a uh, New World uh, uh, Syrah, actually Shiraz specifically. I'm going to go with Australian Shiraz 2015, uh, 2015 Australian Shiraz. Okay, so you you're you were right on hot 
hot climate, yep. you know, warm climate. Yep. You were absolutely right that it was not Napa. Right. But let's uh, let's unwrap each. There you, you want go. To, you want to unwrap mine? I'll unwrap yours. Yep. Sure. Okay. Hand me yours. Very excited about this. Dun, 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 dun. So Jim's wine that he served me. You missed so bad. I. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm looking at a Grand Reserva Rioja 2005, but I don't feel bad because Jim missed by an entire hemisphere. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. So, about the, it wasn't Cabernet Sauvignon and it wasn't. All right. I got New World right. I got that going for me. Um, well, I didn't even get that right, did it, I? It's a 2015 Jordan Cabernet Sauvignon from Alexander Valley. So, juicy, right, high, high right, temperature. Really is. It didn't have a lot of oak on no, it. They I would... don't over oak their wines there. And I really, that's what I love about the Jordan cabs. Yep. And particularly from Sonoma. People don't often think of um, these types of wines from Sonoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally people think, oh, California Cabernet, it's got to be Napa Valley. And I think Sonoma's making some really, really interesting uh, wines. And I love the fact that you, you did nail the hot climate. You did know. Uh, you know, sort of, you actually started to go down the path of Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. I don't but know I why you get, veered off of it. Because I didn't get a green note yeah. on it. Normally in Cabernet yeah. Sauvignon, you get jalapeno or tomato leaf. And I didn't this. get it on no, that. And, there, and it isn't in there. It no. is not in there. Uh, so I, I really do like this wine. Um, retail on this wine, by the way, $60. Nice. FYI. Um, and this was actually supplied by the nice people at Jordan. So nice. I want to give them a quick plug. Wonderful. And I am drinking a lot of... Is that a latitude? Yep. Uh, but it's L-A-T-I-T-U-D. Right. 42. Yep. Uh, Grand Reserva, 2005 Rioja. Beautiful wine, gorgeous. I may say. Absolutely and I, and gorgeous. And I love Riojas because I think this is like a, one of those wine list values. They're underappreciated. They're really well made. They've brought their winemaking up tremendously. Here's the thing you'll notice on it. It's bright cherries, wonderful really fruit. Is. But if you smell it, it's got a ton of vanilla on it. It's got American oak. That's the first thing I noticed. American oak. It's, the, it's really the only place you're going to find American oak on a, on a European wine. It's, once you smell European oak and you get that bright cherry like that, it's Rioja every time. Well, I'm going to definitely want to have you back. 30, 35 bucks 35 a bottle. for this? Delicious. Ladies and, and, and gentlemen, go find this wine. Yeah. Yummy, 95% yum. Tempranillo, 5% Graciano. Uh, just a beautiful wine. I really, I would love to have a lamb chop with this. Right <laughs> and I'm going to go find a nice big steak to have with your Jordan. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you very much for, for joining me here for the Vine Guy podcast. Really appreciate it. It was a blast. Thank you, Scott, for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. Again, those wines we tasted were the Jordan Sellers Cabernet Sauvignon from California and the 2005 Latitude 42 Collection Especial Gran Reserva from Rioja, Spain. You can find them listed on the episode's description on the Podcast One page. Follow me on Twitter at The Vine Guy, and be sure to catch my Wine of the Week segments on Fridays on WTOP and WTOP.com. Sarah Beth Hensley produced this episode. Music for this episode is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Thanks so much for listening, and until the next time, do good, drink well.